The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. that song. I do. I love that song when you guys sang it. I just want to say the name of Jesus. There's such power in that, isn't it? Amen. Can we, can, can we just say that together? Jesus. We speak that name. Amen. Over all of our situations. Praise God. Why? Well, because we're going to see this morning, we're going to be talking about the guarantee for a better future. How many of you enjoy getting a guarantee when you buy a new product or if you buy an appliance or buy a new car? I like getting a guarantee. And, uh, you know, usually I'm not the... Kathy is the fine print person. Uh, and I'm usually the headlines person. And so, uh, but when it comes to guarantees, I become the fine prince person because I like to get guarantees and I like to find out what kind of guarantee or warranty comes with, you know, whatever purchase I've made, uh, you know, may it be a new car or appliance or uh, electronics or whatever it is. Now, you know, most of the guarantees or warranties that we get uh, is, is known more like limited guarantees, limited warranties. And, um, and what that means is that usually the guarantees, the warranties that you and I get when we purchase, and, and many of us, if you like me, it's a very important thing to have is a guarantee because if something happens in the future, there is a guarantee that I can go fall back on and, and at least either have the product replaced or fixed or whatever it is. But most of the time, uh, the guarantees and warranties that you and I get uh, are limited. It's known as limited guarantees. That means it has all kinds of stipulations, conditions, restrictions on the guarantee or the warranty that uh, basically um, you know, has parameters. Uh, within certain parameters, you have this guarantee. Um, now, I do realize that when it comes to the future, uh, no one really can guarantee the future. But I believe that there is a guarantee for a better future given to us in the New Testament and according to the promise of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So that's what I wanted like to speak to you about this morning. So turn with me in your Bibles if you have your Bibles with you or on your tablets or on your phones and let's go there to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from uh, verse 4 through to verse 9. Now, I'm just going to read this out of the New King James Version. And it goes like this. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge. 
even as the testimony, that word testimony there, we could say the testimony of Christ or the preaching of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation or the revealing or the returning of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here that Paul is, uh, you know, thanking, thanksgiving, gratitude for the fact that uh, the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of Christ um, was confirmed in the people that he preached the gospel to. And then he says that not, not only was it confirmed, but um, that the testimony of Christ, that the preaching of Christ uh, uh, did not leave them uh, without a benefit in their lives. But then he says this in verse 8. He says uh, that at the return of Jesus Christ, he says, who will confirm you to the end? Bless you. And, and he will confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day or in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's look here. I want us to look at these verses, and I'm going to use some other translations to have a look and to kind of expound on what he's saying here. And so uh, when we go there to the Amplified Classic version, it goes like this. Verse 8 goes like this. It says, And he, the he there is Jesus, will establish, that means he will make sure or he will ensure you to the end. Keep you steadfast, give you strength. Now listen to this. And guarantee your vindication. Oh, hallelujah. You see, the, the truth is, is that all of us live our lives constantly in this time that we are in. And we live our lives usually, and the old enemy is the one who comes with all kinds of accusations and uh, charges against us. But he's telling us here that the guarantee of your future in Christ is that God guarantees in Christ that uh, he, will, he will guarantee your vindication. He will guarantee your vindication, meaning that he will vindicate you against any accusation. Because he goes on and says, he will be your warrant against accusations and indictments. So that you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Man, there's a lot being said in this. But you see, the thing is, what I want you to see here is one of the first things that I notice is that he says here that Jesus is God's guarantee to you and me. Oh, hallelujah. We have an eternal guarantee, praise God, that no matter what happens in your future at the coming of Christ, God guarantees. Oh, I don't know about you guys. 
guarantees that you will, I didn't say that you will be without sin. He guarantees that you will be counted. He, he will vindicate you. Because listen, let's be honest. It's very easy for us to look at our lives and, and charge ourselves. And, 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 and not expect a better future because of what's going on in our lives at the present. Of our failures, of our inabilities, our weaknesses, our stupidity sometimes. Anybody ever been stupid? One, two, three of us, that four. <laughs> Amen. Uh, listen, listen to how he puts it. I like the, the old living Bible. The Living Bible, I believe, was one of the first paraphrases that ever came out. I can remember when in 1976, around about there, my mother gave me a Bible, and it was a Living Bible. It was a much easier Bible to read. And this is how it goes. Verse 8 says, Paul says, And he, who is, who is he? Jesus, guarantees right up to the end. Oh, I love that. He guarantees, right. see, most of the guarantees and warranties you and I get is a one-year guarantee, two-year guarantee, five-year guarantee. If you get a five-year guarantee, it's like, woo, man, look at it. He says, he says, he guarantees right up to the end. You say, well, what, what end is this, Arthur? What end are you talking? Whatever your end is. If, means, if it means that you live here until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, then, and that is the end, He guarantees right up to that moment when He comes and when He's there. He guarantees right up to the end. If your end is to lay down this body and die a, a physical death, leaving yourself here, is it, if that's your end, then go and be with a Jesus. He says He guarantees. What does He guarantee? Guarantees that you will be counted free from sin and guilt on that day when He returns. What does that mean? It means that there is no dread or fear for your future in Christ. Um, to, because unfortunately there's so many people who are, well, you know, I don't know if Jesus comes back. What are you going to do if Jesus comes back? Uh, you know. I can tell you the story. I, I've got a bit of time. But I, I can remember years ago, uh, my, my wife Kathy and I, we, uh, when we still lived here in, in, in Mpumalanga, I uh, decided that I was going to take my uh, family to the movies. And so uh, we went to go to the movie house, and we had... What's, I can't remember what it was, but it was a fun movie. I can remember sitting with my son. He was, he was uh, maybe seven or eight years old. And uh, my daughters, and we were eating popcorn and drinking Coca-Cola. And we were sitting having good fun, watching a movie. So now we're coming out of the movie. And as we come out the doors of the movie, there's one of the pastors from our town. <laughs> with some of his elders and his people with tracts, you know, and they are witnessing to all of the people. And, and, and most, most of the tracts, most of the tracts 
are about what would you do if you die tonight and how and and and, and you know uh, what would you do if jesus comes back <laughs> so here i come and i walk out with my family and the pastor looks up and he says Arthur, what are you doing here i said i've just been watching a movie with my family he looked at me and said, what would you have done if Jesus came back and you're sitting in a movie? I said there would have been five big holes in the roof where we went out. Hallelujah. You see, there's a lot of people that, that are, they have tremendous dread for the, for the future and the end of their lives. Come on. You know, see, God gives us a guarantee that we will be counted free from sin and guilt on that day when He returns. He says, God will surely do this for you, for He always does just what He says. Hallelujah. He is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with His Son, even Christ our Lord. So, we see that when Paul preached the gospel, it was a gospel message that declares that Jesus is our guarantee for a better future. Hallelujah. Which, which to the believer, which to you and I as believers, it's the guarantee of a better future that has no limit. There's no limitation. It's not for so many years. It is for the up until the end. Whenever the end is, you have a guarantee from God. I mean, if that's all that, that you go away with here uh, this, this morning, it's already a, a, a plus because there's so many people. You might be here. You might be here today and you've kind of been dreading the future. You've been dreading, well, maybe will I make it? You know, there's some Christians say, well, Arthur, would you just pray that I make it to the end? Come on now. Let's just pray. I just make it to the end. Listen, he guarantees that you make it. Oh, hallelujah. You see, that means that Jesus is our guarantee. Now, so much of the emotional pain and, and torment that people suffer with today uh, is a direct result of being chained or being uh, shackled, as it were, to the hurts or the offenses or the disappointments of our past. Whatever your past is, whatever your, your uh, situations are. There are many of us, you, you, there might be people here today that, uh, man, there are things that have happened in your past that you just seem to never be able to get over. And, 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 and you're stuck with that. And many people, their future progress, their future happiness has been postponed. It's been put on hold because of all of the stuff of the past that they are holding on to. Now, I'm, I'm not just talking about the hurts or the offenses or the failures of your past. You see, this, the, uh, when, when, when we uh, are holding on to the past, it can also be some of the successes of your past. It can be some of the highs 
of your past. And you can be still shackled to that and, and not be able to move on with God. You see, uh, in order to guarantee a better future, you're going to have to let go of the past. Now, you know, you, you, you can be with some people. And no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what the circumstances are, you know, you can take some people and take them out for a wonderful meal, and you can take them out and, and, and enjoy a beautiful evening with tremendous blessing, and it seems like they will turn everything around, everything that you do, everything you say, they will turn around to their hurt. Or they'll say, you know, I know this is a wonderful meal and it's a blessing, but, but you know, when, 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 when I was hurt and when I was offended, and, and it, it was in a similar situation like this. They, they seem to bring it all back to that. Have you ever been around people like that? They, they can't let go of the hurts of the past. But then, you know, there are some people who just don't ever let go of the successes of their past or the highs of their past. You know, it's like I said in the first service, I said, you know, some people you talk to even in the church and, and you start looking and saying, well, look at, look at how blessed Faith Hill Church is. And man, that's an anointing praise and worship time. And it's, man, God is doing a great thing. And they'll say, yes, but in 1949, <laughs> when I was in the revival in Clarksdorp. <laughs> Amen. Are you guys with me here? It's, see, they, they still can't move on. And it's not a negative. They're still holding on to some past positive. See, we've got to be able to let go of our past. See, as a believer and as a, a man or woman of God, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only do you receive life from Him, but you receive a new past. You, you receive a brand new past. See, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Even your past is new. You see, the, holding on to your old past is rejecting what Christ gives you. See, because when we come to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive all that He has and all that He is. And when we do, we receive His past as our past. Come on. Oh, come on. And that's why Paul says, when we go here to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 and 13, this is where, of course, Paul, in the previous verses, he's telling us about uh, you know, his goals for a better moral and spiritual future. And he's, he's talking here about what he's expecting for his future and the future of the people in, in, in Philippi. And then he says in verse 12, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. So what's he saying? He's saying, you know, I have an expectation for a better future, not only for myself, but for you. And he says, I, I'm not saying that I have this all together. You know, I like, I like uh, the saying that I heard Andrew Womack say uh, many years ago, and I've kind of coined it as my own now. And, and he said this, it's not that I have arrived, but I have left. 
I have left already. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, I have an expectation of a better future. And it doesn't mean I have it all together and I have and see the manifestation of it. But I have left. Because listen to what he says. He says, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. Man, that, that, that tells me that, that God has an expectation. And we'll get into this in a moment. Verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. But I am focusing all of my energy on this one thing. Forgetting the past. What past? Your failures. Your, your hurts. Yes. Your successes, your, your, your highs in life. Yes, forgetting the past means to let go of the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You see, notice that Paul is making, saying, I know that I might not be there yet, but the way I'm going to get there is I'm going to have to let go of the past. And I'm going to have to grab a hold of what lies ahead for me. See, this is one of the things that, that uh, knowing and experiencing and understanding the unconditional love of God is really all about. Because it allows you to do something that naturally as a human being you can't do. It's like when people say to me, I say to them, well, let go, forgive, let go, let go of them. No, I can't do that. You see, naturally, it's like we can't do this. But Paul says, he says, I'm letting go of the past. See, that's what really is important is for us to let go of the past and, and to put our trust in the wisdom and in the power and in the, and, and, and in the promise of the finished work of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, so many of us are tempted, and we are tempted uh, today to, to kind of just like, kind of float through life. It's a lot of people, a lot of us. You know, things are going okay. Things are oh, all right. I'm making ends meet. You know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of moving forward, but, you know, and we, we tend to just idle through life. And, and what that does uh, to a lot of people is that it causes us to live way below our potential. Way below our potential. Now, what is potential? Potential is the ability or the capacity that most people possess, but very few people ever really use. Come on. You see, all of us have tremendous potential but because sometimes we live and life kind of lulls us into a kind of sleep and we kind of get in this motion and we're just going along and we're just letting life flow. I'm just, you know, uh, whatever will be, will be. You know, <laughs> I can remember Nat King Cole singing that. See, not many of you is like, who in the world is Nat King Cole? Amen. <laughs> 
But you know, the thing is, is that what we have to realize is that we all have tremendous potential. But usually, uh, most of us don't live up to our full potential because we just float through life. We just allow life to detect, dictate to us. Come on now. See, usually potential is only realized in people who come to a place where all of a sudden they're in a terrible hardship. And now all of a sudden there's nowhere to go but the bottom of the barrel. Are you with me here? There's no way. And then what happens is all of a sudden trouble comes. Now you start to see people come up and now they start to live up to their potential. Because now, you see, we don't have to do that. We don't, we don't have to do that. We don't have to have that be the trigger to get us to, to move on and have the guarantee of a better future. You see, one of the things that you and I can in, do to ensure a better future and that our future can be more successful or let's say our future is more productive in our lives is to go and understand two things. You're going to have to believe something you have never believed before. And you're going to have to be willing to do something that you've never done before. Now, I see a lot of people get to that position and then they say, well, you know, uh, my, my family has just never believed this. And, and, the church, and, and my church has never believed. Well, how's it working for you? You know, Dr. Phil has a great saying there. How's it work? Well, you know, this is what we've always believed. Well, how's it working for you? You know, I mean, if you think about it, if it's not working for you, then maybe you need to change what you believe, right? And then you might have to start doing it. Well, I've just never done it. We've just never done it that way. Well, maybe you're going to need to start doing it that way because it's the only way to do it. You see, uh, this, this is something I think a lot of people don't really grab a hold of. Success... In life, success in ministry, success in business, success in relationships. Any area of success in a person's life is not just something that happens. You don't just wake up one morning and as you stretch, I say, oh, goodness, look how successful I've become. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and find out, oh, now success is knocking on your door. Come on, think about this. Success is an event that takes place uh, and it takes a lot of belief, steadfast belief, steadfast believing, planning, dedication, commitment, and those two words that are hard for people to hear. Hard work. Success doesn't just happen. You know, the unfortunate reality of, of the, 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 the youth of today. This is what I find, and, and, and this is not an accusation against the youth. I don't know, I said to my wife the other day, I said, I don't know what I've done or what I did to, to cause maybe the younger generation to think that, uh, you know what, success and being successful is just, it's just got to, it's my right. No, it's not your right. In the sense of it's, it's your right if you are willing to go for it and start believing as something different and, and doing something. But it's not your right just to be handed to you. Yeah. Preach it. Right. Preach it. 
Come on, think about it. It's not just, well, I mean, the government's got to take care of me. Listen, let me just tell you something. The government will never take care of you. Come on, it's never. They're never going to take care of you. Not the way God wants to take care of you. Yeah, they'll take care of you like the devil takes care of you. Amen. See, some people think, you know, uh, I've heard somebody say, Oh, well, you know, those people, Arthur, you were just in the right place at the right time. And boom. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Just because you think that you saw somebody be in the right place at the right time, and now all of a sudden they met the right people, and so now all of a sudden their career takes off, or their, or their, you know, their ministry takes off. You, you say, well, you know, look, they were just... Listen, if you don't prepare yourself for the success you're looking for, you might get to the right place the right time, and it will pass you by without any event. You won't even recognize it. It will pass you by and you'll still, you'll still be saying, Well, I'm just not as lucky as those people. No, this, the, the opportunities are coming across your path. But your heart, your mind, your life is not pre- prepared. You're not at the place of preparation that you prepared your life. You know what you want in life. Because, hey, listen, if you don't know what you want in life, when the right times comes, you won't, you won't recognize it. Amen. <laughs> so, let us, let's look at some practical wisdom. Yes, I, we have a wonderful guarantee out of the gospel and uh, the finished work of Jesus Christ that our future is to be way better and greater than, uh, than our past. And, and we have a guarantee of a, of a wonderful future in Christ. But there are some practical things you and I can do that we can cooperate with God. I forgot to say that in the first service, but that, see, there are some things you can do because you say to me, well, Arthur, I thought you're a grace guy and you, now you're telling us what I must do. Yes, there, listen. <laughs> There's, there is effort in grace and most of the effort in grace is in the believing and the preparation of your heart to cooperate with what the finished work of Jesus Christ has made available to you. Amen? So, uh, a better future always starts with uh, the steadfast, sincere, heartfelt belief. The power of belief. Number one, if you want to put down that point. The power of belief. So the first key to guaranteeing a better future is to believe in your future. Means you're going to have to believe. See, a lot of people, uh, uh, they, they, don't even, they don't even believe. And I can understand. I can understand. We're living in a time in history where the stuff of life and the things that are going on in this world can, can almost leave you with the no hope for the future. See, I, that's, why, that's why there's a whole generation of young people who are not even planning to have children. Because they say, you know, um, I don't know, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but, but uh, Kathy's brother and, her, and his wife, 
and, and I'm talking about this is a generation ago already. They decided that they, didn't, they weren't going to have any children because they didn't, they didn't see any hope of bringing up children for the future. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. But let me just tell you, listen to this. You need to believe in your future. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said this. He said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you might one day have them. No. Oh, oh, did I read that wrong? No, he says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It's, it is a spiritual uh, principle of everything that, that, you, that you want for your life begins by believing. It, it starts with believing. When he says, uh, what, thing, what things soever, that means things, whatever things, you name it, whatever things, career, uh, relationship, uh, a business, a, what, a ministry, whatever, whatever things you desire when you pray, when you believe, when you pray, when you think about, when you meditate upon, when you bring this before the Lord, believe that you receive them. Not believe that you can receive them. Believe that you have received it. See, in Christ Jesus, we have already received everything we are ever going to need for life and godliness. We already have it. It's already given to us. It's already yes and amen. Amen. So receive it. He says, you shall have them. They shall manifest. It will be there. So most people, see, believe in their future, but most people believe the worst in their future. Most people believe they have a future, but they believe and look at the circumstances, situation. They look at the government. They look at this. They look at that. And they, you know, the, 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 the woke lifestyles. And, 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 they, and they say, well, I, I can only see the worst. I can only see, I don't know, what, it's going to get worse. And listen, I'm preaching to myself here this morning. Amen. It's so easy for us to come and say, oh, it's, it's just going to get worse. And it's never going to get any better. And I'll never make it. I'll never, I'll never de- be what God wants me to be. You can, you, we can live there. But he, he, listen, it's one thing to believe in your future. And, and, and I would put it this way. Um, you, can, you can believe in your future, or let's put it this way, that you have a future. See, all of us believe, well, I have a future. But we need to believe in our future the way God believes in our future. We need to believe in my future the way God believes in my future. And how does God? There's so many things. But, you know, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. You're familiar with that. This is is an, uh, an example for us. This is an example that you and I can take of God's expectation and, 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 and belief in the future of Israel at the time. And he said this to them. He says, for I know the thoughts and the plans. I'm reading here from the Amplified Classic. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. See, I tell you what, there was a time in my life, uh, even as a believer, even as a pastor, 
There was a time in my life where I believed that God would never, ever have any thoughts about me. And if he did ever think about me, it would be to think of how he would kill me because I failed. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I, I literally, that's what I believe. I believe that the only time God's got way bigger things to think about than think about me. See, that's why I like David. Your thoughts are like the stars in the, in the cosmos about me. Who is man that thou should think about him? That your, it says that, that your mind is filled with thoughts about him. See, God has plans. His thoughts and plans for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare. Notice, there's not, not thoughts of how he's going to take care of you in, the, in, 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 in you know, sorting you out. No, no thoughts, thoughts of welfare and peace. And not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. To give you hope, a confident expectation of good in your final outcome. Even, even uh, Paul, he, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10. But if you read it there from verse 4 through to verse 10. If you, he ends in verse 10 and says this. Uh, this is the old King James. He says, for we are God's own handiwork. Well, this is actually the Amplified, not the King, King James. We are God's handiwork, His workmanship. Created or recreated in Christ, born anew, that we may do those good works. Now, he's not talking here about doing those uh, things that makes you a goody two shoes. You know, you know what I mean by goody two shoes being, you know, all nice and, and you know, wonderful. No, no. He he says he wants he is he has born you in Christ. He says you are my poema, is the Greek. You are my poem. You are my work of art. You are my masterpiece. And he says, I have, I have created you to do those good works which he predestined. You know, that's a, that's a religious word that has been used and abused about predestination. You know? Predestined just means this. You were planned beforehand. That he planned beforehand for you, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that you should walk in them, living the good life. Anybody here live, want to live the good life? See, that's, all, that's about having a guarantee of a better future, right? See, as believers, so much uh, 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 of our future, God believes in our future. In fact, God believes more in your future than sometimes you do. He believed so much that he prearranged, made ready. He planned beforehand and, 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 and planned the paths for you to take so that you can live the good life. Amen. Then when, it, when, when, you've, when you believe differently, when you'll start to say, I'm going to believe what God believes in my, about my future, then, then make a decision. That means the power of choice. Step number two, the power of choice. See, all true believing begins when we make a heartfelt choice in our lives. 
See, uh, the, for many of us, we don't want to make choices because we want to leave our options open. Because if I make a choice, then I'm binding myself to, to one thing or two things. But if I just leave things to hang around, I'm, 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 I'm going to have options. See, the guarantee of a better future is largely dependent upon the choices you make in life. See, it's amazing to me, I said in the first service, it's amazing to me that when you talk to people, I, I talk to people all, all, over the, all over the world and all the time. And, and if you ask people today, most people, if you ask them and say to them, uh, uh, what, what is it that you want in life? Most, most people can't answer you. Most people say, well, you know, kind of, well, you know, I just want to, I just want to have a good life. You know, I'm just, I just hope that, you know, most people cannot tell you exactly, and sit you down and say, this is what I want in my life. This is where I want to go. This is what I want for my life. We're just like, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, amen. Yet, yet, if you ask a little child, have you ever asked little children? Little children, you, we, we were just uh, two days ago, we were with my, my uh, little grandson, and he's now graduating from grade R, right? Is that uh, two grade R? And, uh, and the teacher had the whole class to have a little chalkboard in front with all of what they want, to, what they want for their lives, what they want to become, what they want to be. I mean, it's a pilot and a fireman and a, and a, a doctor and a dentist and, I mean, all kinds of stuff that they come out with. I was talking to my little grandson in America so, not so long ago, and uh, uh, Ryder, he's seven. And I said to him, uh, Ryder, I said, what do you want to be? And I mean, he started off with, you know, I'm going to be a fireman, and I'm going to be this and that. And then <laughs> at the end, he turned around, he says, and I'm going to brew beer. I said, I said, you're going to brew beer? Yes, I'm going to brew beer like daddy. Because his, his father brews beer. And so in America, you know, craft, craft breweries are the big thing, you know. So see, I'm going to be... See, he had all, a list of things. But the older we seem to get, the shorter our list gets. Yeah, because, you know, life does come, life does happen, things and it steals our vision and steals our dreams. So that the, the next thing we need to do is we need to realize, listen, if I, if I start to believe what God believes about my future, and then I start to make a decision of where I want to go in my future, then when you do that, uh, I would say decide exactly what you want. Decide exactly what you want. Now, what do I mean by that? This is what I mean. I mean, you must make up your mind. Whoa, yeah, it come. Make up, well, it's, you know, some people I'm with, if, if I talk to them today, this is what they want. If I talk to them tomorrow, they've changed their minds. Come on. You know, you see, you need to make up your mind, settle the issue and determine the end result. Come on, are you here with me? Determine the end result. See, the problem is, many of us don't want to determine the end result. You know why? Because we don't want to be disappointed. What if it doesn't happen? 
What if I don't get there? What if I don't get there when I want to get there? Come on. Now it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. You know, listen, listen to this. There is a spiritual principle that comes into action when you make a decision and decide and decree a thing. You know, uh, in Job, when Job finally said, I'm going to start trusting God and I'm, you know, get there. This is what his friends, his friends said this to him. His friends said, whatever you decide to do will be accomplished. Listen, listen to me. Whatever you decide to do will be accomplished. And then it says, and the light will shine on the road ahead of you. Man, I tell you, there is a, there is a principle that works that when you decide to do a thing, all of a sudden you start to see how to get there. But until you decide, until you make the decision, and decide, that's where I want to go, you're not going to see how to get anywhere. Because listen, if you don't decide where you want to go, you're going to have to accept whatever life gives you. Amen. I don't know about you. I've been there and done that. And I'm not doing that again. I've been there and I've done that and I did not like what life gave me. Amen. I am going to decide. The next thing, listen to this. When you decide, be specific. Be specific. Decide and be specific. Now, sometimes we general. It's amazing when you talk to people. Yeah, I'm going to make a decision. And then they make this general decision. No, no, no. You need to be specific. You need to be specific. What it is. Why? Because more, the more specific you are, the more likely it will become the reality of your future. Amen. 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 Be specific. And then num- the next one, I don't know where I am right now. When you decide, imagine. Start to see in your imagination the fulfillment of what you're looking for, the decision you make. Start to see it. I heard somebody say this years ago. You have to see it before you see it. You have to be able to see it in your imagination. Listen, do you know how powerful the imagination is? You know, um, God, uh, in Genesis 11, when, the, when He went to go and inspect what the people were doing at the Tower of Babel, this is what God said about these people. He said in, ver- in Genesis 11, verse 6, He said this, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they imagined they can do will be impossible. See, God understood something because we are God beings. We are like God. God sees those things that be not as though they were. And that's the same capacity God's given you. He's given you, you're a God being. You function like God. And God gave you, I mean, in some churches, don't talk about imagination. Oh, that's of the devil. The devil's never given you the ability to imagine. Your imagination is a, is a, 
is a gift of God that you can start to see things in your imagination before they are in reality. And what you see in your imagination will become your reality. The truth is, your life today is what you've been seeing in the past. Amen. It's what you've been thinking about and what you've been seeing and what you've been expecting in the past. It's now become reality in your life. But you can change that. You know, in all forms of sports today, all forms of sports, the coaching is a lot of coaching, is coaching sports men and sports women to use the power of imagination. You know, in the, in, in the, in the sport of golf, that's one of the things that you'll, you'll, they teach all the time is see the shot before you hit it. Amen? I'm giving some secrets away to Pastor Tafara here. Amen. You need to see it. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, one of the famous golfers, uh, uh, Jason Day from Australia. You watch him play golf, and you'll see he'll go stand behind his ball, and he'll choose whatever club he's going to hit, and he'll stand behind the ball, and then he'll go like this. And he'll close his eyes for a few moments. And then he'll step up and he hits it. Because what is he doing when he does it? He imagines exactly the shot he wants to play. Can I I tell you the power of imagination? There's a a true story about a a, a prisoner of war during during the, the Second World War in the North Pacific. He was taken captive along with a whole lot of other American soldiers. He was, a, he was a, a, an, an officer, and a, a bunch of other American soldiers were taken captive by the, by the Japanese. And they were put into uh, POW camps with unimaginable conditions. They were put into cages just big enough for them to stand or to be on their haunches. They couldn't stand up. They were let maybe out of those cages every two or two, three weeks to take a walk. They were malnourished. So when, when they were set free, when the American uh, army came and, and overpowered the Japanese on this specific island, they uh, you know, released these, these POWs that were in this camp. All of them except with the exception of this officer, had lost their minds. They had become completely fruitcakes, nuts. They lost, they went mad because of the way they were treated and the pain and stuff they were put through and the isolation they were in. So when, when they took this uh, young uh, officer and put him in a hospital because his condition was really bad, they put him in a hospital and started feeding him and rehabilitating him. They asked him and said to him, how come you still are, are, are lucid? You, you still have, you, you haven't lost your mind. You're not mad. And this is what he said. he said. He said, what I did every day is I would wake up in the morning and I would start imagining myself at home. I would imagine myself getting out of my bed and I would imagine myself going and have a shower and uh, get dressed in my golf clothes. And he says, I would, I, I, would, I would go and get in my sports car and I would drive down to the golf club. And I would 
start playing a round of golf, seeing every shot, every putt, and and I, I would play 18 holes and sometimes, some days, 36 holes in my imagination. And then I would see myself having a cold Coke afterwards and then I would see myself drive back to my house and go and have a shower again and get back into bed and go to sleep. That's what he, he said. I did that every day. He says, and that kept me sane. Now here's the kicker. When he became strong enough to go play golf again, he went to go play golf. And the first the round of golf he played, he played a 72. Wow. He was an 18 handicap before. Wow. You see, what you've got to understand is that, that the truth is, is that what you can imagine in your mind will influence even your muscle coordination. It will influence your body. It will influence the decisions you make. And this, I mean, this was proven. This is a proven story. You can go find it for yourself. Where he, he had never played a 72, uh, you know, perfect round of golf, a par round of golf ever in his life before. He was an 18 handicap. He played in the 90s. But the first day out, what happened? Because the, the, more, the more vivid you can see it in your imagination, your body will make it happen. Man, I tell you something, I have seen this happen in my life over and over again. See, when you decide, then speak positively over your situation. Speak positively. You say, well, a positive confession, call it whatever you want. But the truth is, speaking positively over what it is you want in life seems to have an ability to make it happen. Amen. It's not, it's not, we're not talking about, you know, voodoo here. It's, it's the truth. And when you decide, and I'm going to leave you with this. When you decide, take action. Take action. Faith without works is dead. Take action. That means, see, there's a lot of people who have tremendous vision. Tremendous. I've got friends that when I speak to them, they've got this wonderful vision. I've got a friend who has tremendous vision for invention. But he never takes action. Then he gets upset because somebody else came up with the same idea. And then they went and made money on it. And then he's like, well, I came up with that idea first. You never took action. You never took action. Amen. And listen. And when you take action, focus on what you can change. And not on what you can't change. Focus on the things you can change and leave that which you can't change to God. Amen. Have you learned something this morning? As we, listen, as, as we go this morning and we go into a new year in a month, not even a month's time, we go into 2024, let, let this be an encouragement to you. Go, and, go take this time this, over Christmas and say, listen, what, what is it that I want? What do I need to change in my belief system? And start guaranteeing. You already have the guarantee of a better future in Christ. But then by taking some practical steps, you and I can go and guarantee that our future will be better than our past. Amen. Now, I understand. Somebody will come, oh, well, what about those people who are in, 
in, in war zones. You know, that's an exception to the rule. You know, people who are in, a, in war zones and, and um, they, they, are, they are becoming the victims of other people's decisions and things like that, I understand. But I'm talking about when, when all things are equal and we're living with the way, we, we're not living in a war right now, not in an actual war. We might be living in a spiritual war, but we, we listen, you can guarantee a better future. Believe God. Believe that God believes about your future. Decide what you want to do. You say, well, I don't know. Then ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Amen. Decide. Make a decision. Be specific. Amen. And then take action. Go forward. Amen. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. Man, I just want to thank you guys again. Thank you, Pastor Tafara and Chipu, for having us here. We are just always so blessed. Thank you for your wonderful, warm welcome and, and um, you know, just your friendship you guys have had over the years with us. And all of you guys, too. We just are just so blessed. And we want to just thank you for your kindness and your generosity towards us. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you say, you know what? I'm going to trust God for a better future. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands just up to the Lord and let's come in prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is my guarantee of a better future. Thank you that I will be counted free of all sin and guilt on the day when He returns. Help me, Father, to believe differently, to make decisions, be specific, and imagine and see my future better than it ever been. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.